Welcome, everybody, to another Lightning Rod episode of the Next Wall Podcast. I am Anthony Corbo. You can follow me at Corbo Anthony on Twitter. Joining me today, as they do, uh, well, as one of them does every day, but we have a, a new, uh, new but familiar face joining the pod this week. We got Kyle Maggio here at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. What's going on, my dude? Just happy to be back on, man. Yeah, it's been a minute. We're uh, we're glad to be rocking it once again. And also joining us this week on the podcast, and uh, I guess we can announce right now, we'll be joining us on this podcast for a second show each week. Uh, we have Mike Cortez at Cortez Era on Twitter. What's up, my dude? What to do? Uh, so Mike is going to be, uh, Mike and Kyle are going to be a set, doing a second episode of the Next Wall podcast each week. Uh, normally recording on Sunday night to give you something going into your Monday morning. Uh, yeah, just to kind of bridge the gap. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen in one week, and sometimes we're we're just a little bit behind on the news. So we're gonna have we're gonna have Mike and we're gonna have Kyle doing a second show each week. And uh, yeah, no, really, really looking forward to that and uh, everything else that you guys are gonna be getting into. So uh, stoked to see you guys going on with that. Yeah, should be fun. Um. While we are at it, we are part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Go give them a follow at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. Uh, check out all the other po- awesome pods on the network. There are NBA, NFL, comedy ones. There's there's definitely a bunch of stuff that you're going to like. If you're a fan of a second team or just a fan of the NBA in general, uh, there, there's going to be something for you to listen to over there. Uh, go follow us on Twitter at the Knicks Wall at TKW Podcast. Head to the Nixwall.com. Mike Cortez just had a piece out about Frank Nilakina for once finally uh, capitalizing on his role, claiming that starting point guard spot. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, to get things started today, as we uh, we head into this final game before Thanksgiving, and uh, you know all of you are probably on your way to your relatives or whatnot, but uh, the Knicks squandered another game away. They fall to four and fourteen on the season to the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. One twenty six to ninety eight is your final score. Um, it was there was a, a few moments there. Even after the first quarter, the Knicks had the lead. They were on a like seventeen to nothing run or seventeen to two run at one point that you know they were looking really good on, and they you know they had they were up by eleven at a certain point in the second, and then. It just all came crashing down. The Knicks couldn't score, um, and they never really recovered from there. Why don't we start with what was good tonight, guys? Uh, so the Knicks after let's let's take the first quarter into perspective here. The Knicks are up eight. Um, what did what was the big takeaways out of that first quarter? What did you guys see from from our team that really allowed them to capitalize on the uh, on the NBA champions early on? I think good rotations for once. I wrote Fisdale took out usually when he takes out, um, put puts in rather Dennis Smith. It's usually Frank coming out or even RJ, 
but this time he actually put Mitch, Dennis with RJ Frank and Randall, which I think should have been like the starting lineup if Dennis Smith doesn't get hurt or whenever Marcus Smart gets traded. Oh, Marcus Moore, sorry. And I feel like that was like a good mix of skill sets versus the Morris Randall clusterfuck that we've been used to. So that was good to see. And then the second unit started to fizzle in. I feel like Fizdale finally had somewhat of a decent rotation. And we saw Portis hit a couple shots. I don't know. It just felt like a real team for once instead of just like hockey subs where it's just one unit coming in for the other. Yeah, I agree about uh, the Portis part is interesting to me, like as far as when he came into the rotation, because you have, I, I like Taj Gibson, the starting lineup in the sense that he just kind of like adds a certain veteran presence that can push guys, you know, a little bit more to compete on the floor. And he is still pretty capable of hitting that mid range jumper and, you know, isn't going to get phased under pressure like a lot of guys on this team can. But, you know, they brought Portis in at a certain point and just, I felt like that spacing really helped. The Raptors were able to double team everything early on against the uh against the Knicks and really kind of shut them down they weren't able to buy a shot and then you know when they had shooters on the floor that they actually had to respect it felt like the Knicks were able to open up that lead a little bit more and you know that you know they were hitting their shots uh the three-pointer was falling and that kind of led them to where they were but you know obviously they could not sustain that yeah I mean pretty much everything after the first quarter was just uh Kind of a disaster. I mean, if if you squint your eyes, RJ had a pretty good game. You know, sixteen, five, and four, three, uh, three steals. He's it's been. A, it's a nice line. He, he was he was wildly inefficient tonight. Five of seventeen. That's why I said if you squint your eyes a little bit. But um, you know, as long as he's on those rough shooting nights, as long as he's doing that, hitting the glass for five rebounds and you know, giving you the four assists, the three steals. Like, I won't mind those rough shooting nights. It's different when you when you get a guy like, you know, Tim Hardaway, who would be five of 17, and there would be no defense or passing or rebounding, you know. So I can I can live with that if that's what RJ's off nights are. So that made me happy, at least. Um, Randall not being, like, impressively inefficient was uh, a plus, if nothing else. 19 and 8 tonight and 50% shooting. Um, yeah, I mean, just not, not a ton. I thought Dennis had a nice initial stretch, but the jumper and, uh, he's just not, it's just so inconsistent. Uh, it was just such a, it's just such a weird game. It's just, I don't know, more of the same with what we expect right now, I guess, but, uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Morris only took one three point a shot. What one three point attempt? Like that's crazy. I feel like last game he went off, but that kind of masked how bad this offense has been. Overall, they kind of can't shoot. Like, no one's doing good. Ellington can't hit a shot. Knox, I guess we'll get into a little bit later, but, like, what Fisdale's doing with Knox is criminal. He started him at shooting guard after he was, like, in a good groove, and then tonight he played four minutes and then came in for garbage time. So now you're down to, what, one one decent shooter in RJ when he's hot? I feel like every shot is just contested versus like the Raptors were getting just wide open shots immediately. Like everything was just quickly up the floor, hit to the corner. If not, Siakam just going to dominate. And it just feels like RJ recently to me, it feels like he hasn't been able to perform in the first half. 
but he's able to get it going a little bit more after the half, after, you know, especially when he gets into like, you know, garbage time he's playing towards the end of the fourth quarter and everything. Like, you know, we didn't see him for a while. He scored like a bucket in the, uh, you know, after the halftime was over. And, uh, you know, we didn't really see him for a while after that. Fisdale kind of just went to, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily a garbage time lineup, but just one that, you know, he was just kind of experimenting out there. He put Dotson out there for a long stretch. Um, and then, you know, Trier had got some minutes tonight too and everything. Yeah, it, it's just the more Morris only, you know, taking one three can't happen. You can't have a guy who's your leading scorer on the team, you know, only even getting his shots off certain nights. Like that's, it's just not going to fly. And it's been like, I mean, Maybe there's a, a story to be said for just keeping Morris around at this point because he seems like the only way the Knicks are going to generate any kind of offense. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the time it just looks stuck. I mean, you had Julius Randle like doesn't move when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. He takes you know two steps back and forth and then just waits and hopes that he has you know the ball thrown to him when he's open from three. And then the the defense isn't even respecting him. He had a couple of them, but overall, I, I really don't think it was enough for them to make him like fear him. And that's, you know, then that's the biggest problem. And that's when you get like kind of Portis on the floor instead of him who can kind of space it out a little bit more. I'm not saying that Portis is the player who can hit those shots, but I think the threat of him kind of makes teams uh, have to space out and respect him a little bit more. And then, yeah, like you're saying, beyond that, there's just nobody. It's not like, you know, Neil Kina wasn't hitting a shot and he got yanked pretty early. He didn't really have a ton of opportunity tonight, uh, only playing in 22 minutes. Dennis Smith Jr. actually played the same amount, but. You know, he went one for seven, too. It wasn't really, uh, you know, he didn't really stand out at all tonight, too, which he desperately needs. But, you know, it's just, you know, you have nobody being able to shoot. You have, you know, Robinson having to, like, actually try to, like, find his way into the offense, which he should be pretty much your last option, if anything. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, just really not much of anything going on, especially after that. They had really one good run in them you know, when the Raptors are still trying to get their stuff together. And beyond that, there's just really nothing that anybody could do. Trier yeah, played what? seven minutes and he, he was one of, he almost had as many th- uh, field goals as like Bobby Portis did in 19. That's not, you know? that's just bad. Trier should be playing. So it, that, that's one thing that frustrates Trier, me. The fact he, he, played seven, he played seven okay, minutes and he scored, he played this, he had the same amount of shots as Marcus Morris in 21. Like, I feel like Trier is the most straightforward person to use, and Fisdale just can't figure it out. Like he's the person you use when you when your team is just struggling to score. He's the smart he's, plug. He's yeah. a smart plug. That like very simply, and he's efficient. He shoots well off the catch and shoot in isolation. Like he's one of the few like bona fide efficient players. Not just like a young efficient player. He's just an efficient player. Period. And that guy can't get off the bench. He should be and, playing over Ellington. It's, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. Ellington, yeah, Ellington should be playing, like, he, but he just sucks right now. So, yeah, in those instances, just yank him. Totally. I mean, he should like Ellington. This entire season has not been able to hit a shot. Like at this point, he should not have that long of a leash where you leave him out there for 17 minutes off the bench. Like, that's a pretty significant chunk of your second unit time, and he was just abysmal tonight. Yeah, that's been Fisdale's problem. He gives different size leashes leashes to the wrong guys. Like Randall could go out there and just suck it up for 30 straight minutes and he'll stay out there. 
But let's say like now Knox is the punching bag. Now if Knox stinks right away, he's gone until the fourth quarter. So without the consistency, you're just not going to get there. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, I, I don't even have all that much more to say about this game, to be honest. Like, it was just a game where the Knicks ran out of gas super early on. They got completely outclassed. They got, you know, they were kind of, they gave up early. I think the coach gave up early. I mean, you were seeing, like, guys come into the game in garbage time with, like, eight minutes left, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta at least, especially with a team like this, gotta be trying to like fight back and try to like put some things into it. Like the, the, this entire team just feels like it lacks so much energy. It's, it's, it can be difficult to watch. It can, it really, really can be difficult to watch an entire game through. And yeah, it's, it, it, it's just, it, it just feels like they're slower than everybody else. They're moving, you know, less quickly. They're moving less often than everybody else on offense and defense. It just it just seems like all a team has to do is put in a little bit extra effort, and they can pretty much guarantee a win against the Knicks for themselves. Yeah, I'm just tired of these like Popovich timeouts that Philsdale does. Like two seconds into the second half, it's like, what are you doing? You're not making any type of adjustment. Like if you're gonna do that, sub somebody in or actually do something different. Like I feel like he's just calling timeout just to stop the momentum. And then they get right back to not defending or just having shitty offense. It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like every guy on this team, feel, from like coaching down, feels way more established than they should. Like, like Fizdale's trying to, you know, he's making, he's taking those timeouts, like you're saying. Like, he's trying to coach this team like a bet. He's trying to coach this team like he's been here before. But, like, man, he's had, you know, he hasn't had any success. He's been to the playoffs once. You know, he was at a, he was an assistant with Miami, and of course he's had assistant coaching. But like with him as the head of the show, like he needs to be trying a little bit more. He needs to be experimenting a little bit more. He needs to be listening a little bit more because he's acting like this veteran head coach who's been around for you know three seasons. Yeah, he just I, I don't think he lost the locker room, obviously, but I feel like it's getting to the point where no one could say like, okay, if I do X. Why is definitely going to happen? I feel like on a given night, they can see their minutes go from thirty to two, and it's just—I feel like that's just not conducive for good results. It's not. There's no consistency. Um, he started to get into that, and they were playing a little bit better basketball when they won that Mavs game. They—they they were like three and four with their last seven before they recently went on this last little skid. So. I mean, like, they were briefly playing respectable basketball, and it's like there's just never any consistency. And to me, that's disappointing with this team especially because last year you chalk it up to, okay, well, Knox is playing 30 minutes a night, and Mitch is playing, you know, in the second half of the season anyway, you know, bigger minutes, 25, 30 minutes a night. And it's like uh, you expect to, like, get blown out, get run down, or not be consistent, but – the whole point of this summer with their little uh, salvage job that they did was to get just NBA level talent, just professional NBA basketball players desperately on this roster so that they can basically fill in some of those gaps to be a consistent team. That's why you get a guy like Marcus Morris, who's a consistent two-way player or has been for most of his career. Um, that's why you, you get guys like Taj Gibson, who's always been a good consummate professional, a good competent player on both sides of the floor. Like you do that. So you don't get blown out 
20 points almost routinely. And it's like, here kind of we are back to square one again. And that's what bothers me is if this was the same old team from last year, I get it. But there's a lot of vets on this team. You know, uh, some of them have played on good teams or decent teams. And to me, there's kind of like no excuse. I understand the fit's not great. I understand that, you know, David Fisdale doesn't really run an offensive system, despite always saying he wants to push the pace and be fast. And then he never really does that because we play a slow half court offense more often than not. Um, but, you know, at some point you just got to be the players that you were assigned to be. And you just got to go out and get it done somehow, figure out how to make it work. Um, that's kind of what frustrates me more than anything else. The pacing on this team is so, so damn frustrating. Like, we yeah, kind of came into this season, like, we were really, really adamant that, you know, it's going to be fast-paced, these guys are going to be run, we have all these young, we have all these young players on the team, they're going to be I, just blowing down the court. And then, you know, even with I the better... No choice. I thought yeah, he had no I, choice. I mean, same. Even with the veterans there, I thought that they were going to, like, try to support that. But I think we just kind of, like, really underestimated how slow these guys are and how, uh, you know, especially how this big problem is going to affect us. Like, how this this four or five That's issue we were having was going. You know, I, I for one, definitely under, as underestimated that. thought that they would be able to fit a little bit more freely. And I think the times when we have seen this team play in transition – They've looked, they've looked adequate at least. Like they've looked, like they've had a certain degree of skill and coherence and chemistry. You know, moving up and down the court. It's just they have no way to initiate that, and when they get stopped, they have no way of you know getting into any kind of flow. They have no sense. I have to, I have to go back and check the the film and the numbers, but the best game that I could think about when they were playing in transition was that first game against the Mavericks in Dallas. Like the ball was just getting flung up the court. And like, that's why Frank was getting a lot of good opportunities and decent opportunities. And Randall was almost always already like three quarters down the court, getting the ball, you know, catching the ball. He was just making a move, going right at the Mavericks guard uh, forwards, whoever was guarding him. Same thing with Marcus Morris. He was just getting a lot in transition. And it's like, yeah, like I'm not going to, you know, put too much emphasis on the Mavs games because obviously adrenaline is running. It's, a revenge game. We we all know the situation, but you know, it fit the skill set of a lot of the players in this team. And it's frustrating when like the Mavs aren't a great team, but they're a good team. You know, they have Luca, they have KP. And despite everyone thinking he stinks, he's still a very good basketball player. Like that's, that's nothing to scoff at beating those two teams. You're capable of beating, you know, playing good basketball. Um, the talent level isn't there to do it every night, but you got to be more consistent than this. Yeah, I feel like once they go down 20, like tonight, they went down 20. I think it was like in the third quarter. Then they start hitting, sh- passing out to the corner, hitting shots. I was like, why weren't you doing this when it was a close game? Where was this? It's just like they wait until they get blown out to start playing how they should be. Like the way Toronto played should be exactly how they play. They just move the ball and try and get the easiest shot possible, mostly in the corners. I feel like all the Knicks shoot above the break threes, which is just stupid. And none of them are really knockdown guys except Ellington and Morris this year. But traditionally, I don't think he's Clay Thompson. So, like, what are you doing? Get to the corners or move it. Like, it's just frustrating. So, I'm kind of curious where you guys think Fizdale stands at this point after, uh, you know, it, it's been a couple of weeks since it was an assurance, as I think 
Woj put it that Fizdale was going to get fired and seems like more of a, uh, you know, not if when kind of situation. But, uh, you know, apparently there were some other reports that came out about uh, Fizdale having some private assurances from either Dolan or the front office about, you know, his job security and that he'll be good through the year. Um, but, you know, obviously we have to take everything that comes out of the, the Knicks front office and ownership with a massive grain of salt. So I, I'm, where do you guys stand right now on Fisdale? Just his, uh, do you think that he is now comfortable? And so he's kind of receding back into this, uh, you know, I guess I don't want to say figurehead necessarily, but, you know, is he kind of like, how do you think he's evaluating his decisions right now? Do you think that he's really uh, taking stock of what's going on in the court and trying actively to make these changes? Or do you think he's just trying to settle into a groove and you think something's going to come of it? I'd love to know. I just hope my plan right now is when they do fire him, because I think it is going to happen. Yep. I just hope they also sell all the veterans, maybe even including Randall. Give Mike Miller the reins and the young guys. Call up Kenny Wooten or anyone else that's of value in Westchester and just do what the Hornets do, where you just throw out a bunch of young guys and just play. Like, just do that. Develop the young kids and then... It's worked for the Hornets so far. Yeah. I mean, like, the Hornets aren't a good team at all. Like, that game against the Knicks, they were literally just playing like a pickup team where they were just launching threes, but it worked. And they're winning games. Like, they have more wins than... They have... I think they have eight wins. Yeah, they have eight wins. That's twice yeah. as many as the Knicks. Like, yeah. come on. Like, that's embarrassing. Yeah. It, yeah it, no. But to your point about trading Randall, um, so first of all, hello, it is me, the biggest <laughs> fan of the Randall signing from this summer. Uh, <laughs> the one I, thing everybody agreed on. The one yeah. thing The one thing we unanimously agreed on. Was all right. At least that's a good signing. Like that. That was all of our reactions. Like even non Knicks fans or people that didn't want to. But like everyone's just like, all right, that's a decent. That's pretty good for Julius Randle. Like everyone, almost everyone. Stupid and me thought he'd be an All Star. Like what? Kind I, of I thought I thought there was a chance, but okay. So uh, I am sorry. I led you all astray. This is me uh, eating early crow. I will, uh, you know, reverse pivot quickly if uh, he starts to turn this thing around. But, I mean, he just hasn't looked good. And um, But the point about that is one of the reasons that I wanted Julius Randle here, despite me thinking that it, would is, it, it was ultimately going to be a good fit um, with what they were supposed to be trying to do offensively and Mitchell Robinson, and um, was that his, his salary is it's a team-friendly deal. You know, it's a two-year deal with a third-year option, I believe. And I think he's making what eighteen million a year. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think I mean, even, even with the rough start that he's had to this season, um, somebody would take Julius Randle. I don't know what you. It's fetch not for a him. terrible contract. It's not a terrible contract, and he, even given his struggles, like I think, I think a lot of times we like rush to do the whole like a guy's either good and contributing or he just fucking sucks. He's terrible. He's losing us games, and he has done that at times this season but i don't think he's been like as like brutally awful as everyone's been saying it's just been really frustrating at times but as a whole he's like it's still all right like you could still move him you know what i mean like it's been bad but it's it really hasn't been that bad um so my point is with that contract like you you theoretically could move him if you wanted to that was one reason we were high on the deal so 
I, I'm not opposed to it this time. Uh, I prefer that, you know, I just be right about it and he looks good and he stays here and we're all happy, but uh, it is what it is, but uh, it's, it's possible and they should take a look at it. Yeah. I wonder, I just, I don't know. I feel like the front office is so focused on the PR game that, they Even are. moving him to the bench, I feel like would cause like a stir. It's like, whoa, your big signing is already on the bench. Like he's next stops out the door type of thing. So I don't, I mean, I hope they are open to it because I mean, I asked last week or not even a couple days ago, is he untradeable right now? Just because his contract and he just looks like crap. Like that's where I'm at with him. It's just, I know it's an overreaction, but it's just yeah, it felt I, so much worse. I do think that he's going to come back around a little bit. Like he's not, I, I think that he is going to get a little bit more acclimated. And like, also we got to recognize like the kind of player he is, is going to be affected by being just, you know, brought through a mud like this season has been, you know, playing with zero consistency around players who don't, you know, who have no kind of coherence around him with a coach who seems like he doesn't know what he's doing for an organization that refuses to admit their mistakes. Like this guy is not necessarily dealt an easy hand, but that being said, like the things that he should be expected to do regardless of that, he's just not doing. Um, so for that reason, I kind of feel like there's going to be a little bit of a swing. Like I really wouldn't want to move off of Randall until at least like after Christmas time. Like, if there's an offer to just kind of take him clean off the slate around February and this is all continued up until then, then, like, yeah, I'd entertain that. But, you know, it, it I, I still think that I'm going to kind of give him a little bit more time, even despite what we've seen on the court has been pretty much abysmal. Um, yeah, but, but part of me, the other side of that, is just sitting here wondering if we just replace Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract with essentially big man Tim Hardaway Jr. And that is frightening the hell out of me. I mean, I, I will say, I will say for the most part, you know, I, I don't want it to be, you know, too doomy. Like, it, it does suck. Like, it's not all doom and gloom, but it, it's frustrating right now. I don't want to get into, like, super sell-off mode after, like, barely 15 games, 16 games, but... um you know, I think part of the hope with them signing this many guys, which is another thing that we talked about uh, all summer after they they signed these guys, was we'll see how smart this front office actually is because uh, we thought the fit with a lot of these players that they signed was clunky at best. I think most people agreed on that, but they all should have you know individual, uh, you know, some sort of uh, interest from other teams. I, these are all like a Marcus Morris should be a contender would want him in a heartbeat. A hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, like, so is, is this going to be the same old Knicks from the last three or four years where they have a couple of decent vets and this year's should be better than, you know, the last three or four years, but um, are they basically going to be same old Knicks where we hear rumors of, you know, Kyle O'Quinn's going to go to the Warriors for, you know, two second round picks and then it doesn't happen. Or are they actually going to be like, you know what, man, like this, stinks it's not working we're not going to lose any more games selling off some pieces so let's just do that and are you going to go you know get a sneaky late first round pick are you you know going to get a couple of good second round picks like what what exactly are you going to take a flyer on a young player like what is what is the outcome here and you know i i feel like we'll find out really a lot about uh 
you know, just how smart they, a lot of people, again, gave them credit this summer. And it's like, okay, well, we'll find out once and for all, like if they actually make something out of nothing here and salvage what they did this summer. Yeah. And that's another reason I would try and trade Marcus Morris as soon as possible. Like once the summer 15th comes, I would try and get like the best possible deal. So I feel like his value is right now at that ceiling where what else can he really do that he's not already doing now? Like he's probably the best clutch scorer we have, the best shooter we have, and he's the only guy that plays defense and can score at a high level. So I feel like right now with the amount of buyers that there will be right after December 15th, you might as well just try and get off him, maybe Ellington, depending on what's out there, and then hold, like Corbo said, Hold on to guys like Randall. Even I mean Dennis Smith, I, I want to hold on to for a little bit, but if some team asks for him, I will not say no. Yeah, he's he's very much available. And I, again, I'm just chiming in because I'm leader of that bandwagon too. And, and look, I mean, he had a lot of good. There were some really good games last season when he came here, and when he was healthy, he looked good with Dallas. I really thought that there was a, a leap coming, and there's obviously still time, but. Man, what a difficult, difficult beginning of the season. He has looked just so, I mean, inconsistent, but he's mostly looked bad. You know, the game against the Mavs was really nice at MSG. Um, I like, and he's had some good stretches since he's come back. I, I don't want to make it sound like he's only played bad basketball because, you know, the Mavs game, uh, a couple games after that, like he was playing like actual smart basketball for a little while. Um just was picking his spots a little bit better, but like just seems like every time he needs to take an expanded role right now, for the most part, he's just not there yet. Um, so he, he's available, man. Uh, he's got to turn it around. It's on him. Hope he does, but uh, there's no reason that he should be off limits. Let's right now. It, it's, it's a results oriented league. Like you, you got to be able to put up or shut up too. Let's uh, yeah. let's take a look at a couple of the other guys on the roster though. Uh, would you, are you guys in the business of entertaining, selling high on Frankie Smokes? No. I think Mitch, Frank, RJ, I would keep. Not untouchable. Like, obviously, you listen to offers for everybody. But those are the three I would definitely keep. And then I would add Knox in there because I still think Knox is taking a considerable step forward. Recently, I think Fisdale just really screwed with his whole routine. I think that's why he's been so bad. Like, starting him at shooting guard was just... Plain stupid. So stupid. So, just the, just everyone knew. Yeah, from the get. Uh, and I think uh, I was listening to uh, an episode of the Ringers NBA show today, and I think it was uh, Jonathan Sharks brought up a possible – He brought, you know, they were throwing around some trade ideas, and he mentioned one that he might be interested in is Jalen Brunson for Frank Nielakina. Uh, not yeah. that I think the Knicks would ever uh, trade with the Mavericks, or at least for a, a period of time now, I think they'll refrain from trying to be trade partners with them. But um, where, just tell me, based on how you two view those two players, is that low or high? Low to me. It's uh, he's he's taken a step forward, and he's only what is he twenty one still. He's just only his third year, and he's already he's still the team's best defender. That's been the case at least the last two years, probably the last three. And obviously, he's never going to be like a twenty point scorer. But for a guy that doesn't need the ball a lot, you're already seeing the value he has with RJ. Can RJ just look good together? You add another good scorer there. 
he doesn't need the ball. Like, and he plays good defense. Like, I don't understand why some people just can't get that. Like, the people that buy into Frank understand it fully, and sometimes they go over the top where they think he's going to turn into like Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is not happening either. But he could really be. I feel like he's just a consistent player that doesn't need the ball, and that's valuable. Yeah, I mean, my only thing is he's got to do what he was doing for like that little ten or eleven game stretch. Uh, it was like the fourth game of the season, uh, you know, up through like three games ago, something like that, or two games ago. Yeah, uh, I, game was... yeah. I mean, he, look, my he, you don't got to score twenty points, like you said, but you got to score something. Uh, Brian likes to yell at me in our Slack channel about the points per game thing. Um, it's not so much about. <laughs> It's not so much about the points per game being the end-all, be-all, but in 2019, like, your lead guard has to be able to score more. Like, it can't like be... Like, how many points would you it, want from him? Like, it, like I, I've said this, and, and Brian, like, laughs at it because, like, I, it, I'm dying on... Like, this is such a big deal for me, and it sounds so stupid. 10 points. Can you get me 10 to 12 points? Like, if you can get to 12 points a game, you, you're shooting, like, you know if he's even shooting like 42, 35 and 75, like, and then if he's doing all that, just being like a, a league average ish score. Right. And then, and then giving you all that defense where he's giving you, you know, three steals on a block a night, like the, the typical Frank shit. And then he's like, the other thing too, is he's been rebounding a little bit better. He was, uh, his assists were up. Like, Things were all trending up. Even the scoring was up a couple points per game in that 10-game stretch. So it's like, you know, it's like, can can you just give me a little bit more, Frank? Because I'm I'm back. I'm ready. Like, I've, I've, we've, I've been disappointed in rooting for you, but I'm, I'm back. Things are going well for us. Can you give me can – you, can you just give me 10? Can you give me that extra yeah. layup a game? Can yeah. you give me that one single layup a game and just – it, it would make me feel good. That that ten point benchmark, right. like you gotta hit a three. You gotta at least give me like a three a game. You gotta try to throw, drive a little bit. Like two threes, I'm pretty much satisfied with. That. Like it's just, it's just like eight to ten points. Like yeah, I agree. I'm I'm with you there. I'll even skew a little low, but he's got to bring all of that every game to be good. Because like that. that that's my thing. Like he doesn't bring so it every game. If fun. he was, if he, if he every night, every fucking night gave you like six or seven points every night. And then every single night was five, five, you know, two and one. And he's always giving you like four to five rebounds, four to five assists, and you can count on it. Then I'd be like, all right, man, like the scoring really doesn't matter. Like if, if he's always doing that, plus the defense. Right. But like, it's like, Mark, that, it's like Marcus. Gasol it's, right not now. There. it's like Gasol right now isn't scoring for shit, but he's been, you know, arguably, you know, one of Toronto's like top three players. Because he's he's just you know he he can't he's not scoring the ball he's not shooting the ball at all but he's doing everything else every night you know he held Embiid scoreless the other day and everything like that like Frank needs to be essentially doing that to guards yeah I think it's shot selection with the threes like yeah I talked about in the piece I wrote about him if he just moves to the corner he shot well from there I think the Celtics game was what he should stick to like Fisdale should have sat down with him and say this is what we need from him every night. He had like 12, 10 to 12 points. I forgot the exact number, but he was at the rim or in the corners. And that's exactly where he should be. He has, I feel like the next step was taking the shots. Because last year he was just had stage fright. Now he's finally taken the shots. Now I think just finding your plates on the arc above the break is just not, it's not a good look for him. 
And I know he likes those shots, but I think if you move to the corner, you get two of those a night, and then that pull-up he likes below the free-throw line, and then a coast-to-coast occasionally. Like, it's not a lot we're asking for. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's basically my sticking point is the, the points per game shouldn't really be a lot. And like, it shouldn't my, be a point. He, at this he has, he, yeah, he has the ability. Like, like he's even been shooting better throughout the year. Like, you are capable of hitting more jump shots, like, like at a better clip. Like, that, that basically solves the scoring problem right there. Like, just you're, take the same amount of shots, just hit right. two more of them, please. Like, that's it. Right. Like, right there, you solved the problem. But, like, the you whole know? thing is, like, I, I think that, you know, now that I'm thinking about it as well, I think it's also an issue of, like, the entire team. Like, it's the same thing we were talking about with Marcus Morris tonight, only, you know, being able to get off, you know, we're only scoring three uh, on three shots. You only got off, like, seven of them all together. It's, you know, this whole team, like, there's just no flow to the offense. There's no coherency to who's going to do what. So guys just have no idea what to do. And then, like, they get yanked super early if they're not doing it right. Like, there's like three small constants really that you can take away sure, from this team right, right now. Like, like Frank, like Mike said before, Frank and RJ actually look good together and they shouldn't be breaking that up anytime soon. Uh, to me, I, I don't know that Frank is like been truly, truly outstanding, but he's definitely a clear cut above anything we've seen from the other two point guards. And he's actually been somewhat impressive just you know, need to see a little bit more, sure. but he's, he's definitely been good and he's been great with RJ and RJ has been the one big bright spot for us, um, you know, to start the season. And uh, the other thing too, for a little while anyway, like the Mitchell Robinson off the bench thing, I truly despise. Uh, nobody's going to convince me that Taj Gibson in, in the starting lineup is good. Um, I get that. It, it, to me, it's like you're putting a Band-Aid, but like the Band-Aid doesn't really improve all that much. You know, it's just... You're kind of delaying the inevitable. Just start Mitchell fucking Robinson, all right, man? Like, just start him. But anyway, Mitch off the bench with Dennis for, like, there was, like, that five or six-game stretch where they were just a lot of fun together. Like, they were just pick and roll teams to death. The Mavs game especially. Just pick it. They just abused the forwards on the Mavs. Abused. And they were just lobbing it up, lobbing it up. Like, that was fun. I have a conspiracy theory that. Mitch is on the bench to play with Dennis. It was Dennis seems to like last year it was DeAndre Jordan. Dennis just plays better with rim runners. Like he just yeah. well, well, that's so, not to rehash the thing from before, but like that's kind of the big issue with they were supposed to be a transition team. Is right. Like those two were supposed to be like a big point of the offense. Like that's how you collapse a defense by just rim rolling and, and shoving it down their throat like that. And then that opens up the shooting because they're gonna have to rotate and help at the rim to try to stop you guys and that's how you get a good offense but what do i know well yeah no so, but it's it's like we were saying you know tonight it's, it's the game really started to come into the next favor a little bit more when you had some of the guys shifting out and from the second unit in there and it wasn't necessarily dennis smith who was leading the charge on that but you started to see those guys who were a little bit more you know a little bit better of runners when you had mitchell robinson come in and you had like kind of like portis spacing out a little bit more and you had you had more guys who are more adept at getting up and down the court and then finding a spot and being able to move quickly. Whereas with the starting lineup, they get up and down the floor slowly, they get into their spots slowly, and then they don't know how to move on the court to find each other. So everything and, just gets, you know. And there's just no guy on that starting lineup, like going back to what we said at the top, there's just no alpha. So there's no guy that's like, okay, we need a bucket right now to like cut this momentum in half or cut this lead in half rather. There's just no guy like that. Like Randall's just not that guy. 
Morris is occasionally has a heat check. Same with RJ. RJ's right. too young. Right. And then obviously Frank isn't. So I feel like if you are if you don't have one, you better just play a crazy style. And they just um, that's why I think Wooten would be good because he's another rim runner. You could keep Dennis yeah. on the bench and put Mitch at the starting spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm very think, very interested in seeing him join the team at some point. Yeah, I mean he's not. I mean he's not going to be a star, obviously, but Man. he's the same type of archetype as Mitch. And I feel like we should be developing Mitch just as much as RJ and Frank to a lesser extent. But Mitch is like our second best player talent wise, I think. Yeah, so, I, I mean. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, even really up for dispute. Um, well, all right. So we have a couple. We have a couple of games this weekend before uh, Mike and Kyle record the second episode of the show. Uh, Knicks seventy sixers on Friday. Knicks Celtics on Sunday. Two division matchups. Two uh, harrowing games for this team. Uh, have we? Did we beat either of those teams this season? I really don't believe so. Why am I? No, we, well, we blew leads. We blew leads to both of them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll look out for some things there. I'm sure there'll be, uh, there'll be a lot to talk about on Mike's episode on Sunday, so I won't get too far into it now. Is there anything you're looking out for? Uh, just the jerseys against the Celtics. Yeah. Sixers game, I'm expecting a comeback from the Sixers part. Like, I feel like the Sixers kind of got, like, emba- not embarrassed, but, you know, Knicks kind of, like, I don't think the Knicks should have been up 17 points at any point sure. in that game. yeah. So I feel like it's going to be like a bounce back. So I'm a little nervous about that. But yeah, I'm excited to see how the city jerseys look. Yeah, well, Kyle, I know uh, you have been itching to talk about this a little bit uh, today. So we, I think a lot of us were under the impression that the Knicks were going to be breaking out throwback jerseys of some sort this season for a city jersey. Uh, there was a, Insta- a Twitter and Instagram post somewhere around like, uh july or august or something like that that had four options of jerseys on there uh with a poll for fans to vote on so naturally we all took that as being well one of these jerseys is going to be one of the options for the season and you know there was a you know the kits from like 2001 or so over to like you know 2010 there were the uh trapezoid looking ones from the late 90s that the Knicks took to the 99 finals and then some other generic kind of 50s looking ones but uh, ultimately, the Knicks ended up going with what looks to be just about the same city jersey as last year. I thought the orange looked a little bit lighter. That could just be, you know, uh, brightness in the photo and everything like that. But for all, you know, intents and purposes, the same jersey as last year. A jersey, it seems like everybody seemed to generally like a lot. Um, and I think it probably did very well for them as far as sales are concerned. Uh, but I know that Kyle is... It's, so somewhat at least reeling against this. How do you feel, man? It's a conflicting feeling for me, Anthony. And, uh, you know, thank you for giving me the floor here. It's a touchy topic, but uh, I thought we were going to get throwbacks. Uh, I was led to believe, I think we all were, with those uh, those polls, those gimmicks. Uh, it would seem logical that if a professional NBA team were to be polling fans on which nostalgic, uh, nostalgic jersey that they would like to see come back uh, in a season when all the NBA teams are pulling back, you know, bringing back nostalgic jerseys that their fan bases loves. Uh, it would make a perfect amount of sense to assume that we would get some retros. I don't know which ones, but you know, some like 
not shitty ones or ones that we haven't seen before, but like some actual cool retros, like go back to the 2010s, get get a little bit of the black back in the uniform. That'd be nice. You know, get, you know, the, the, the late 90s back. You know, I wanted to see those modernized. I thought those would be pretty cool. But no, we couldn't get those. Uh, we couldn't even get the Bernard King 80s ones, which I, I know you're very fond of. I'm fond of as well. Um, those are fantastic. But instead, we got the exact same jerseys as last year. And it sucks even worse because I actually really liked those jerseys and I wanted them to keep them. I just wanted them to get rid of the statement jerseys and keep those as the statement or, you know, just keep those in the rotation and then give us throwbacks on top of it. And as far as I know, we're not getting that. So I don't know if there's a fifth set of uniforms, but it seems like for most cities, their, uh, their city editions were those nice throwback editions. So, um, don't really know what the point of hinting at things was all summer. Even when Julius Randle had his, uh, his backpack event, the, the artwork for it, you know, was him in a nineties Knicks uniform. Like a lot of, they, they kept slipping little things like that in only to not do it. So I don't know if something happened behind the scenes. I don't know if they changed their mind. I don't know for what reason, but uh, I'm disappointed. A lot of us just wanted something new and fresh. And while most of us actually do like that Jersey, uh, we just kind of got more of the same from this team. So uh, if you like the statement jerseys, congratulations. Uh, I'm glad you got a good set. But, uh, you know, some of you like, like the statement team, jerseys. I hate Florida Gators jerseys. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just not very fond of them. I think I like them more than the white ones, but I, I wasn't really fond of the white ones either. So I'm a big I, fan of the white number and lettering. Like on there, I don't know what it, I really, it, it, I really it, like the white with the orange uh, outline. I don't know. I mean, the blue I mean, is almost like a, a little bit too electric of a shade or something like that. But yeah, yeah, something about it's just off. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But uh, I mean, I just want to throwbacks. It wasn't that like. Yeah. I was assuming, like looking at everyone else's city jerseys except Miami, of course. They were kind so of, I mean, there were a couple of good ones actually, but like yeah. for the most part, some of them were just disasters. So in my head, I'm just gonna say it was it was gonna be a disaster design. Yeah, maybe we got lucky. It. Yeah, uh, that's like the Nets one. How do you guys feel about the Nets huh. one? I, oh my god, that was uh, the Nets two alternate jerseys are just awful this season. I, mean, um, I hate those. I hate the Nets one. I hate the graffiti font. What are we oh, doing here? That's the worst what one. What are we ever. doing? So, so I, I didn't like the Nets ones, right? I didn't like them at first. Um, then the Mavs ones came out, and I realized the Nets actually pulled off the graffiti thing. Sorry, everybody. No. And yeah, the Mavs were the ones. I, I, I'm telling you. And the only reason I don't think the Nets pulled it off was because they went too heavy on the gray. If they would have done those gray uniforms and done them on their standard court, which is one of the nicer courts in the NBA, yes. uh, that, that – that floor with the black and the, it, it would have popped so nicely, but I think they went too far. On, I, and I respect it for trying to do something new. Uh, it, the court didn't work. And I feel like it such, takes away from the uniform. They have such a nice Jersey. Like they have such nice fonts on their jerseys. Like the Knicks were clearly trying to copy the Brooklyn font with their city Jersey that they've been using. Like it's literally well, the exact we... same font. And, and like fucking, how do they screw it up so badly that they do the Brooklyn and the bed ones and just, oh my. Just bed is a weird, like, I never understood. It's like, you're not, like, you're in Park Slope. It's just. What are you doing? It's just bad. It's just, I, that doesn't look good on 
fabric, I guess. That that graffiti belongs on the wall. I don't know. I, I mean, I wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the Knicks just. Well, apparently the rumor was the Knicks were the ones with the graffiti, and the Nets kind of cucked them, so to speak. So. Oh, is that right? I wonder how. Yeah, I, I don't know how true that is. Well, I'm sure we'll see a Knicks PR tweet like for it. Yeah, just <laughs> to sure clarify, clarify for right. clarification purposes. <laughs> I I hate this team sometimes. Jesus, how hard is it to just not use it? Not, just don't use that. Make a new account. Just make an MSG account, like a like just an official, it. or just ignore it. Next well, PR, why, like what is Next. like like that's the second time they've done this in like three months. I I feel like the last time was back in September. I want to say when they used it to say like about the was it was it the Kevin Durant. The, the the max contract there oh that they weren't going to offer him the max contract or the Kawhi yeah there is that or the Kawhi thing there was there was another incident I remember I was at the airport reading it and I was like what why why even tweet that there's a couple <laughs> there was a couple like honestly the Knicks PR account has never been this bad until this season and all of a sudden it's just like a clapback account that gets no traction because nobody agrees you can't clap back from a PR account. Yeah, because I mean, if they want to play that game, we could clap back on a couple things yeah. that they yeah. won't like. Also, not the game the Knicks want to start fighting, the clap back game. Exactly. Anyway. I mean, yeah, it's. Yeah. If we want to look at the Porzingis trade, we could clap back at them pretty fucking hard. Oh, let's, let's not. Let's just leave it at this. Yeah, we'll just leave that at, yeah, uh, leave on a good note. Yeah, we don't need to remind people about that on Thanksgiving Day. Um, well. This has been fun. Everybody, tune in this Sunday for uh, Mike and Kyle doing the second episode of the Next Ball Podcast this week. Uh, Going to be talking about the Sixers and the Celtics game, plus a whole lot more. Uh, some of the stuff we didn't get to tonight. So uh, make sure you tune in. It'll be right on this feed. Super easy for you to get to. Uh, while you're at it, go follow at Blue Wire Pods on uh, Twitter at the Knicks Wall at TKW Podcast at Corvo Anthony at Kyle Maggio at Cortez Era. Um, let's see what else do I plug here. Oh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Do all that stuff. Go check out all the fantastic work up on the Nixwall.com. And uh, Mike and Kyle will talk to you guys on. One day.